Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, uh, I started a series, as you know, on Samson. We're three weeks in, and uh, the fourth week will be next week. Pastor Peter will finish with more of the good news of Samson's life, but... um, how many know that God, we can draw from Scripture? As we read the Scripture, we can see that some of the errors that people made, we can learn from them so we don't make the same errors, right? So when we're looking at Samson, we're looking at a life that, um, in a sense, he was a very strong man, but he had a very dangerous, dangerously weak will. And, um, and we can learn from that so we don't follow those uh, same patterns. He made a Nazarite vow to the Lord, which he said he would not drink wine, he would not eat anything unclean, and he would not cut his hair. And you weren't to touch a dead body. And we know as we read through the, the life of Samson, he violated that Nazarite vow quite, quite often. But how many know there's mercy and there's grace, right? And uh, in week one, uh, we talked about the three attitudes that made Samson weak. The first one was he had this lust. He just like, I have to have it, right? And, and you know, if we, have this, if we have lust in our life and we have to have the things of this world and we have to have the girl or we have to have the guy and it's like, I have to have it, instead of pursuing God, it's a very dangerous place. The second thing he had was this entitlement attitude. Uh, he had this, I deserve it, right? And we can have that problem as well in our lives. And he had pride in his life. And so if you want to, I'm not going to recap all that because I want to get back into our message this morning. The second week, we talked about the two emotions that took Samson down. Number one was Samson burned with anger, and, and for men, that's, that's a strong, and with women too, but anger can destroy your life, right? The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So angry, anger is actually a motion that God created, and, and it can be harnessed and used for his glory, or it can be harnessed and used to destroy, right? And he, he used it the wrong way. And then secondly, Samson was filled with pride, these two emotions. But today I want to talk about... Uh, Samson and how it was his small steps uh, towards big destruction. It wasn't like he just fell off the bandwagon. You know, uh, you, don't, you don't wake up in someone's bed and say, well, I don't know how I got here, right? There's a process of small steps that takes you into a direction or an area where you're far from God. And we see Samson living this out as we read through the story. Uh, this week, as I was just praying, the Lord brought me to Isaiah 64, and uh, I want to tie it into the life of Samson. It says here in verse 1 of 64, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. And so Isaiah is just crying out, saying, God, I want you to rend the heavens. I want you to come down. I, I want your presence to be manifest. And this is what he says here, really important. That the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. And, and the thing here is um, there's a frustration with Elijah. He's like, I just want people to experience the God that I know. You know, earlier this week I was out just witnessing. I went out during lunch and I was talking to somebody and, and in the park, and I started sharing Christ, and I started sharing how he changed my life, and this person looked at me and said, oh, I know where this is going, and just this scour came over him, and I just felt so, I was just like, God, like, 
I want people to experience what I've experienced. And I understood why Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before the swine. And I'm not calling this person swine. Don't get me wrong. But the gospel is so precious. It's like a man who finds a pearl of great price and he he sells all that he has and he buries it in a field because it's so precious. And, you know, when God touches your life, you know, and, and, and Isaiah, he's probably thinking of when God came and delivered the children of Israel by the, you know, uh, the signs and wonders and miracles and led them by a pillar of fire. And he's saying, God, would you come and rend the heavens? People got to experience the living God. And, and so, so many of us, we've had encounters with God and, and maybe the natural heavens haven't been opened, but the presence of God has come and has changed you on the inside. Maybe you had depression. Now you have joy. Maybe you struggled in an addiction, but now that addiction is broken. And you'd say to people, I don't know. All I know is that once I was blind, but now I see that the heavens have been rent. God has come down and oh, that you would experience. How many have ever felt that? And we can partner with Isaiah and we see that he, he said, you did awesome things for which we did not look. You came down. The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard or perceived by the ear, nor has any eye seen any God besides you. And then he goes on to say, I think there's a key here. There's three or four things that he talks about that will bring the presence of God, will rend the heavens in our life. And it will relate to Samson. You'll see in a moment. We go here. The first thing he says God acts for those who wait for him. God acts for those who wait for him. And we think of this word waiting, and we think it's so passive. It's like, okay, he's going to come, and I'm praying, and God's not answering, and I'm just waiting on God, right? We think of that. And I was praying, and it's so funny how God speaks. I'm like, what do you mean by wait? And even last night, I went into my both sons work at a restaurant now, and I went in, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he goes, this is what it means to wait. And I saw a waiter, you know, they, they go to the table and say, what would you like to eat? What are you interested in? And if a waiter does really well, right, they get a good tip. 15%, sometimes 20% if you're generous. But God gives a better tip, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And what it means to serve the Lord is when we come before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want today? What is it that I can serve and minister to you? What would you like? You want my worship. You want me to reach out to people. You want me to deal with them. And you serve the Lord as if you're serving in a restaurant. You wait on the Lord. And the Lord begins to speak to you, you know, because we can get so caught up in the programs. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I got to do this. And I got to do that to, to have breakthrough in my life. No, wait on the Lord. And God's people, we have to get back to that place where it's like, God, what are you asking of me? What, what, what do you want from me? We don't want to be a bad waiter. If you've ever been to a restaurant and you come up, hey, Charlie, what do you want to eat? You know, it's like, and then they're yelling at the kitchen and they're snobby and they're, you know, like, you're taking too long. Have anyone had a wait, waiter like that? We, we don't want to be that with the Lord. We want to wait on the Lord. Say, wait on the Lord. And it goes on to say here, you meet with him, and I'm going to put her there as well. You meet with him or her who rejoice, who rejoices and does righteousness. There's something about, you know, rejoicing 
in the midst of your waiting. God, you're waiting for God to speak. You're waiting for the breakthrough. You're waiting for God to come through. But in the midst of that, you begin to rejoice and you thank God for his, what he's done in the past and who he is and for the good things in your life. Because the children of Israel, they didn't rejoice, but they complained in the wilderness and they stayed in the wilderness. But God, if we'll learn to rejoice in the midst of our journey, no matter what's happening, God comes and does powerful things. And, and so with Samson, we see that, you know, he didn't rejoice, right? And, and we see that he did not do right. So we're to be rejoicing and saying, okay, I want to do what's right. I want to live right. I want to please the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. I want to do what pleases the Lord. All right? And then we see in Isaiah chapter 139, verse 16, if we just go there for a moment. I love what the psalmist says here. So good. Look what he says. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And you know what? That gives me so much hope because if this is your life, and this life, your life is a rope. See if I can get some help here, honey. Let's lay it down on the floor here. So this is your life. Go over there. That's your life. That's a messy life. Okay, that's good. So that's your life. And so God, God has, uh, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knows he has a predetermined life and a record of all your days. And, and what happens as we're going through life, many times when we, we, we get off track, and before we're saved, we're like way out here somewhere. But the beautiful thing is when we repent and say, Lord, I want to wait on you. What do you want? God brings us back into the ordained steps of the Lord. And we continue to walk. And many times we stumble and we're over here. And, and Samson's life was like God had an ordained plan. You're going to be a deliverer of Israel. You're going to bring freedom. And so he, he was born. His whole life was he was over here. And then he crossed here where he gave God glory in one moment. And then he was over here. And then he was c- coming over here. And it wasn't until the very end that he got back into the place of God's ordained steps for him. God knows every day he's planned for you. And many of us have been off the plan. How many hear what I'm saying? The good news is you can come back. As long as you're still breathing, you can come back into place and continue to walk in the glory of God. And your past is forgiven. God remembers it no more. Are you still breathing? I hope so. (laughs) We can come back to that place. So I believe that. And um, the Bible says, and then he goes on to say here, he says, those who wait for him, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. And here's the last one, who remembers you in your ways. Okay? And, and here's the thing is there's something about remembering God in what he's done in your past. There's this term we, we talk about reminiscing, right? Thinking about the past. And, and, and many times, if you find yourself discouraged, you find yourself waiting on the Lord and you're not getting your breakthrough, go back and reminisce about the goodness of God because that'll give you faith for your future. And, and here's the thing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, it says, It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, and he bowed down in worship, leaning on his staff. So I have this really cheesy staff here as a prop. And so, 
Dollarama special. <laughs> and uh, he bowed down to worship, leaning on his staff, and he blessed his grandkids. And they were down here looking up at his staff. He's leaning on top of his staff at the end of his days. He's blessing his kids, and they're looking up at his staff. And in those days, what they would do is every time they had a victory in battle or a victory in life where God blessed them, they'd put a carving on their staff. They'd give a little notch, a little notch, a little notch. And I believe that they looked up at this notched-out staff of their grandfather, and they were like, wow, the glory of God has been in my grandfather's life. God brought victory here. God brought victory here. God brought victory here. And, you know, many times in our lives, we feel like we're leaning over the staff going, where are you, God? And I think God is saying we need to become like little children and get down and look up and go, wow, God delivered me in 1989. God healed my grandson in 1895. Not 1895, 1995. And you begin to look at what God has done. You look at the notches where God has affected your life. And from that place, it builds faith to say, you know what? God's going to give us more glory. God's going to give us more testimony. God's going to extend everything. We have to come back like a little child and look up and give God praise for what he's already done. Amen? And so, what does this have to do with Samson? Well, God, we see Samson didn't wait on the Lord. He said, I want to have that woman. Go get her for me. I'm going to have victory. And he let his anger rise up. He didn't wait and say, Lord, what do you have to say? David would wait and say, Lord, what do you have to say about this? Samson didn't wait on the Lord. He didn't, he didn't rejoice and live right. And he didn't remember the works of God. He just went through his life, just serving the flesh. He had a calling, but he didn't wait on the Lord. And so we, let's look at Samson for a moment. Here we'll go to Judges chapter 15, verse 19 to 20. And God opened up a hollow place, that is in Lahai, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called the name Enhakor, which is in Leah, okay? Next verse there, to this day, Okay? And here's, here's the thing. Uh, he just finished this great battle. He destroyed a 1,000 uh, Philistines with a, the jawbone of a donkey. And he, he, he was in need, and he cried out to God. God came and met, his, met him. And that was a point, I believe, where he was crying out to God, and he was back on to the will of God. He was back on the rope. And God, God came and met his need. But he was on, not always on the right track. For 20 years, he brought peace and prosperity, and he brought some relative freedom to the people. Like, if you had a guy who could, like, beat people up and rip doors off and kill a 1,000 men, you'd stay away from that town. I mean, we're not going to mess with that guy, right? But think about if Samson would have walked in his calling, he could have raised up warriors. He could have trained people. He could have been a great ruler and a leader. But he just ran around flippantly doing what he wanted here, doing what he wanted to do here, doing what... And, and at the very end... God still used him. Amen? But it was one step at a time he moved away from what God had for him. And at the end, his eyes are gouged out, and he becomes a laughingstock. And his whole life was destroyed. He didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. And so here he is. He, he, defeats, all of, uh, he defeats the enemies with his donkey's uh, 
donkey's jawbone, and then he, he begins to ask God for help. God gives him water. And then right after that, let's see what happens. One day, Samson went to Gaza, Judges 16, 1 to 2, where he saw a prostitute. And he went in to spend the night with her, and the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. We're going to get him. So they surrounded the place and, and laid in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we're going to kill him, right? And, and uh, Samson was smart because he got up in the middle of the night, and he went out, and he actually lifted up the city walls, 700 pounds, they said those gates were, picked them up, pulled the pillars out, put them on his shoulder, walked them out, and threw it over the, over the, the cliff. Like, he, he just... You couldn't mess with this guy, okay? But he went 25 miles, is roughly 6,000 steps uh, into sexual addiction, into a life of sin. And every step he took, I believe the Holy Spirit was saying, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. I've called you for more than this. I've called you to do better. But he took 60,000 steps into a place where he was going to have this relationship. And it's like that with us. We, we can, as we're walking away from God's plan, he's always talking, saying, come on back. You're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. People walk into sexual addiction. They walk into bankruptcy. They went, go into affairs. They destroy their careers. Why? Because it's one step at a time, and they're not listening to the voice of God. All right? Samson taunted his enemy the whole time he was alive. And then in Judges chapter 16, verse 3, it says, But Samson laid there only until the middle of the night. And I just shared that. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts. He tore them loose. He lifted them on his shoulder and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. 700 pounds. And he destroyed their symbol of security, which was their front gate to the city. You know, what a life. You know, as men, many times we often underestimate our enemy, and he's a lion who's seeking whom he may devour. And if you look and you study lions, they look for the animal that has gotten away from the herd, that's wandered from the herd, and they're like, that's easy prey. And I, I'm going to tell you something. In this, in this journey of life God has ordained for you, he's got relationships. I'm giving up on that rope. He's got, he's got relationships that you're to be connected with. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. It's not wise. And God has people for you to connect. So if you're walking in life together closely, the enemy can't peg you off. But when you go off over here and you're doing your own thing, the enemy can come and peg you off. God wants you to do life with people, with other believers. There's security, there's protection in that place. And he was never with, you don't read the, the story of Samson. He's hanging out in Jerusalem at the temple. You don't, you don't see that happening. He's always out in the enemy's territory, flirting with the devil. And we can do that as Christians if we're not careful. We want to stay in the presence of God, in the house of God. Amen? The other thing we see with uh, Samson is he rationalized the same old sins. Over and over again, it just rationalized it. And we see that in Judges 16.4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And this is where the trouble starts, right? 
No, no big deal. I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm just hanging out. You know, you know, that was what David said. He was on the rooftop. He said, no, no big deal. I'm just watching her take a bath. No big deal. And then he took another step. And he went to get her. He took another step. He had her husband sent off to war in the front lines. He gets killed. He takes another step. He lies. And next thing you know, he's in this progressive behavior of sin, going away from the Lord. And we see Samson do the same thing. No big deal. I'm just looking. No one's going to get hurt except you. You know, Judges 16.5, so the rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said, you know, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strengths. I want you to try to, uh, you know, get him to tell us. And how we can overpower him, overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. And so, you know, of course, he, he's, so, you know, he goes to visit her. And I'm sure he's drinking because I don't know how you fall asleep and people do stuff to your head and you don't know. So he, he's sitting there falling asleep on her lap. And, you know, he says, hey, if you, if you braid my hair and all this stuff, then I'll lose all my strength. So she does it. And she wakes up and goes, the Philistines are among us. And, you know, the Philistine soldiers are in the next room waiting, right, to attack him. And he just wakes up and he's just like fully strong, okay? And then the second time, he's like, well, if you tie me with brand new ropes, you know, I won't be able to break them and, and you'll subdue me. And he wakes up and he breaks them, right? And it's like, so he's lying to her. But for seven days... Okay, and I don't understand this. Here, as men, you know, we, we go out, and Samson, he goes out, and he kills a thousand men with a, a jawbone, right? He goes out, and he kills a lion, but a girl takes him out. Is that not the power of women, right? I always say, my, we've had people on many occasions, my wife and I, like, they've said, you guys are both firstborns, right? Yeah, yeah, because we both like to call the shots, right? Because when you're firstborn, you always tell the other ones what to do, and no one tells you what to do. And so we always have intense fellowship, my wife and I. And, uh, and I, think, I, I think I'm winning, and then she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, I lose. Mercy, mercy. How many know what I'm talking about? Men. And then she says to him, how can you say I love you? When you won't even confide in me, this, and it's like, well, maybe because you tried, you know, to destroy me three more times, but the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength with such nagging, she prodded him day after day. He was tired to death, the scripture says. And um, so, verse 17, he told her everything. No razor has ever been on my head, he said, because, you know, I've been a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I would become as weak as any other man, he says. And I don't know why he's telling her all this. And in verse 19, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called for the local barber, and he came, and he shaved off the seven braids of his hair, and he began to, they began to subdue him, and his strength had left him. Right? And we see, we see it, it's, Samson assumed that his disobedience would never cost him. Right? Some people, well, you know what? I'll get away with it. I'll just keep doing it. It's never going to affect me. It's never going to affect me. But how many know it caught up with Samson? And we see here in the next verse, and it says, and then she called Samson. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up from his sleep, and he thought, I'll go out as I have before. I'll shake myself free. 
but he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding of the prison. And he didn't realize that he was ruining his life one step at a time. And that's what he did. And the question we have to ask ourselves, and this really comes when we're waiting on the Lord, is say, Lord, is there an area of my life where I'm stepping away from you? From your ordained steps for me, is there an area? And don't, don't beat yourself up. It's not to put yourself in condemnation. Say, Lord, is there an area? I'm waiting on you. Speak to my life. All right? Is there anger in my life? Is there pride in my life? Am I struggling with lust or greed? Do I have a gambling addiction? Do I look a little too long? Am I doing the wrong things, you know? Am I being passive? Is there fear in my life? Is there accusation in my life? Am I a workaholic and missing time with my family? Am I lying, you know? And and, and I'll tell you something. When you ask God these questions, he answers. And sometimes we don't like what he's going to say because it's going to cost us some a little bit of work to get back into the plan of God, but I'm telling you it's worth it because sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll destroy your life. I remember when I first, there was a time in my life and a time I wasn't proud of as a teenager where I got into dealing drugs and doing stuff like that, and I had to become a compulsive liar. I had to lie a lot to protect myself, and some of you might relate to that. And I remember telling stories, so many stories about my life, and where I'd been and what I'd done with other people. When I got saved and I started preaching, and most of us men, we don't keep journals. A lot of, maybe you do. I never kept a journal. So I'd be putting stories into my sermon to help people relate to the Scripture. I'm like, did that really happen? Or was that one of my lies? Because I had lied so much that I created a world in my mind that didn't exist. And God had to bring healing in that life, area of my life. How many can relate to that? Oh, yeah, a few of you. Good. We'll talk after. Um, but, but God, see, God is working, and we need to learn to wait on the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying? Where are the areas of my life that need to change? And many times God encourages us at the same time. He says, you know what? Yeah, you have to change this, but you know what? In this area, I'm really proud of you. You've come a long way. And God is good that way, right? And in Psalm 19, verse 12 to 13, we see the progress of sin, and I just want to take a few minutes to show you this. Can we bring that scripture up there? You don't have it? Okay. I will find it for you. Psalm 19, verse 12. Maybe just type it in there. New Living Translation, if you have it there. Cool. Can we bring it up in the New Living? Isn't she doing an awesome job back there? She's pulling up a scripture I didn't even give her. She's bringing it up there. She's so good. Thank you, Melanie. There we go. Uh, And I love what Paul says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? It's the psalmist saying. And he says, Cleanse me from my hidden faults. And And so how many know that sin can lurk in our hearts? We can have desires deep in us that are not right with the Lord. And how can I know those things? I'll tell you how, waiting on the Lord. And then he says, cleanse me from 
these hidden faults. They're hidden from the world. They're hidden many times even from ourselves. And God shows us. And if we don't deal with it at that point, we go to the next one here. Go to the next verse. Verse 13. <clears throat> okay. Go back one. Sorry. There we go. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. If, if you have these secret faults that you're dealing with, then you begin to sin deliberately and your conscience gets seared a little bit more. You're deliberately sinning because what was secret, you didn't bring to the Lord. Now you're deliberately sinning and you think, you know, it's okay. God understands. You know. He understands. And then the next stage is here. Don't let them control me. See, if you deliberately sin and walk off the pathway of God, then there's the addiction comes, the control comes. And now, now you can't help it. You're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to gambling. You're addicted to blowing up and losing your time. Whatever it is, the behaviors can be addictive. How many know behaviors can be addictive? And, and, you, and now you're under control of the enemy. These sins are now controlling you. And then the last stage is then I will be free from guilt. Go to the next verse. And innocent of great sin. What is great sin? It's when you've sinned so much that the Holy Spirit has said, you know, I'm going to back off here. And now you're no longer feeling guilty. You're no longer feeling wrong when you do things wrong. And it ends up to point where Samson was like, the Holy Spirit had left him. And he got him and said, I'm going to, I'm going to use God's power. And God's power wasn't there. Because he, he committed the great sin. Now the good news is, and Peter will get into this next week is that God came back and delivered him and used him. You can never go too far. God's mercy is great. But I see that so many times. People just like, you know, sin means to miss the mark. It's like an archer shooting for a target. And we miss the mark in certain areas of our lives, right? We hit, we, we, we're missing the mark sometimes, and God wants to bring us back onto target. That's God's heart. That's God's goal. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Father, I thank you, Lord that we can look at Samson's life. And God, we thank you, God, that you have preordained the plans for our lives and the steps you've ordained for our lives. And sometimes we get off track, but God, you're always calling us back. You're saying, just wait on me and ask me and talk to me because I want to bring you back onto the path that I've ordained for you. And God, it's your mercy and grace because in that place, there's great victory. Samson could have done so much more. And by your grace, he was still used. And you were still proud of him because in Hebrews, you, you, you talked about him in, the, in the, the, the chapter of faith as a great man. So God, even at the, if we're still breathing and we feel like, you know, I've messed up too much. I've gotten too far from God. God, you're still saying, hey, come on back. Come on back onto that line. Come back to that place of my ordained steps for you. And Father, we do today. With every head bowed, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you'd just begin to speak to our hearts right now. We're waiting on you for a moment here, Lord. What are you speaking to our hearts? Are there areas in our lives where we have to come back? Are there areas in our lives where maybe you're saying, you need to come back? If God is speaking to your heart, just lift your hand. There's an area that God is revealing. Just lift your hand. I can see hands going up all over the place. See, God speaks to every single one of us. Are we his children? And God is going to call us. And I want to encourage you this week as you go, and, and never do this in a condemning way because God, God's not there to condemn you. He's there to direct you. And in your time of prayer this week, I want you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to wait on you. Is there something in my life I need to do for you? Is there something in my life that I need to 
deal with in my life and let him begin to speak to you. And as we do that and as we remember his goodness, as we wait on the Lord, God rends the heavens and the glory of God begins to come again in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for your people today. I pray, God, that you've spoken to us today and you're wooing us into that place of the ordained steps of the Lord. And we want to give you the thanks and the honor and the praise because you care enough to direct and guide our lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.